Yes. You are now listening to the sound of Sports Reports is Ordered. And tonight, what is the NCAA doing? Are they just trying to give up all their power? Joel Embiid is out for an extended period of time. We figured that's about four to six. And I don't know why I made that sound like a jail sentence. <laughs> but we're going to do one more final reaction to the NFL coaching carousel. Give some final thoughts on these hires. Maybe throw some coordinators in there. We'll see where the conversation goes. But don't let me be rude. Let me step back for a second. Let me introduce the one and only worldwide famous, more worldwide than Wes. Your VA born. Your New Jerusalem's in the building. Your don't bring feelings to a fat fight. Don't do it. And of course, the biggest move is this dip set. Logical, <laughs> you're and for those in the of building. You don't know me more influenced than Jim Jones, more award worthy than Killer Mike. <laughs> and you ain't even got to worry about me getting handcuffed. I do the handcuffing, that's <laughs> Lindsay about it. Always out here saying hi to your grandma. Too fine, because I respect <laughs> my elder. We are Sports Reports Disorder. And now we're going to start this off with a little stuff that we like to call Get It Off My Chest. So. <laughs> I got a little something, something today. We got a little shout out to the uh to the hot box little chat group we have on Facebook and the podcast. Uh, you can see it posted on our Facebook page. We share a lot of information on Instagram. We tag each other a lot in these different conversations. But throughout the day, we generate a lot of conversations. This is something I actually posted on my page a couple of days ago. Can y'all please stop with this NFL is rigged stuff? Just stop. I understand that. The outcomes aren't in your favor, but that does not support it being rigged to simply replay the end of a game and simply say, look at all these missed tackles. These guys, a million dollar ballerinas out there. I played the game. You don't miss tackles like that. (laughs) It's just it's irresponsible. It's illogical until you support it with some real evidence. You can't believe it. Like, you can't just be believing it and sharing it and sharing all these videos. Like, look at this. Look at this. Now, you mean to tell me he missed his tackle? Because think about it. I just saw a highlight because I'm watching best throws from the 2023 season. Philly returned to interception against Arizona, put them up 14-3. They ended up losing that game. I believe it was like 35-31. No one's up in arms saying that game was rigged. Right. No one's reposting clips of, look at this game. They were dominating while all of a sudden. It seems like the only time this gets mentioned is when somebody's team succeeds or a pick that they made doesn't fall through. 
the way that they want it. Now all of a sudden it's rigged in somebody else's favor. <laughs> Too many things have to happen. The helmet catch cannot be written into a script. Eli Manning being awful for all those years, making that Super Bowl run, that script wouldn't even be believable. If you wrote that in a movie, people are like, really? Stuff has to happen in real life. You got to deal with it. Uh, the second miracle at the Meadowlands when Deshaun Jackson returned the punt for a touchdown and Philly ended up winning that game 38-31 to when they were down 21 in the fourth quarter. No one's bringing that up saying that the NFL's rigged. No one's chopping that up and cutting that up. And look, look at the rest of it. It's only now that all of a sudden people are on this hype train, this outrage train. Talk about Chris Rock with his uh his special selective outrage. That's all it is. People, come on now. Formulate your own opinion. Be thoughtful. Be logical. Do some research. Get some information. Don't just share YouTube clips of some dude saying, you know what? Everything ain't played out on the field. It's like, cut it out. The NFL has the most viewers of any televised event. The Super Bowl last year was the most viewed event in the world ever. So what is their incentive to rig games? People watch the Super Bowl every year no matter who's in it. Just because a team hasn't made it, (coughs) because Detroit hasn't made it, because Cleveland hasn't made it, because... Mm -hmm. Washington hasn't been there in a while. It is what it is. Like, you got to do better as a team to get there. 100%. Like, there's no incentive for the NFL to rig games. So, please stop sharing these videos. Stop posting these videos. Stop giving these dudes clout because it is ridiculous. NFL's not rigged. Your team just didn't win. Maybe <laughs> they will next year. <laughs> Yo, and be and be on the lookout for two five daily because I'm gonna talk about some things that would happen if the NFL was actually rigged. But you know, the NBA kind of has a hand in this because obviously you had Tim Donahue out here, and yeah. we know about what happened between the Kings and Lakers, for example. So once you have something happen like that, I think it's natural for people to say, <laughs> "Well, what's happening in other sports?" You know, I don't know. I don't even know how you would rig baseball like outside of the strike zone, I guess. But, you know, but like but looking at football, there's too many moving parts. Like I did. I will admit I will admit. There were two seasons in particular that I did think the NFL was rigged. I thought that the NFL was rigged when the Saints won, you know, because all they were talking about was Katrina. But obviously it didn't happen like the year after Katrina. Um, the Patriots. 9-11, Patriots, shout out to Sean McDermott. You know what I'm saying? I thought about that at one point in time. But the question I've always had, because I know you like to do the thing, you know, Kawhi traveled, you know, all that stuff like that. And I was right. like, why did why they didn't call Eli in the grasp? I thought about that too, but I think it's because he had he had some space. Like it was an offensive lineman pushing the defensive end off of him. Uh-huh. Like the defensive end wasn't pulling him in. Like I think the guard of the tackle was, I think it was like a was it Adonis? What was his name? The big, the big defensive end for New England. He had him by the jersey. Wilford? It wasn't Wilford. It was 96. Oh, he tackle. Uh Aquarius or Donners. He had he had like a name, it was like AQ, Aquinas, or something like that. I can't remember. Uh but he was being blocked while holding on to Eli. 
So uh-huh. like Eli had like a little space and then the offensive lineman was pushing. So I'm glad yeah. they didn't call it. It was one of the greatest plays in the history of the definitely, sport. So definitely something we'll talk about for the rest of our lives. At yeah, least. I like when the referees stay out of the way. Yeah, I think that um outside of like just those moments where I was just thinking, like, really, the Patriots ain't never won no Super Bowl. This Tom Brady kid at the time. You know, it's like he's not a great quarterback or, you know, this Patriots team isn't a great team playing against the greatest show on turf. I mean, obviously, we found out later that they cheated, but you know what I mean? <laughs> but but that wasn't that wasn't rigged. That was just the Patriots being some low down, dirty cheaters. Yeah. You know what I mean? I give, I give, you, if you tell me somebody cheated, I give you that because that has been investigated and that's been talked about. The NFL, ha- there's no incentive for the NFL to rig games because they don't lose viewers. Sunday right. used to belong to Jesus. Right. That was the NFL, then Jesus. Right. Like, let's keep it 100. Yeah, like, you know, even like with the whole Kaepernick thing, you know, there were people talking about how they were going to stop watching. I know a few people did. Shout out to Residente. You know, he did stop watching, you know. But, you know, just from the standpoint of you going to come back, you know what I mean? Like it's it, football is embedded in you as an American. Like exactly. you, so you can't live in this. Even people that don't necessarily follow sports, they know who Patrick Mahomes is. You know, obviously, you know we got this Taylor Swift thing going on, and hopefully, it'll end after this season and next year. We don't have to deal with this shit anymore. But you know, it is. <laughs> but yo, get it off my chest. You didn't tell me I ain't had the banner up, but uh <laughs> hey, listen, live too. Maybe do make it do what it do. You know what I'm saying? But get it off my chest. So when this whole thing started, you thought he was gonna be in at 10. It's only been six. Smarten up, Nas. You know, as I look at the Lakers, the state of the Lakers, what are we doing here? Are you a contender? No. Is there a trade out there that can make you a contender? No. And why? Because you don't have the pieces to get that player or players that could make you a contender. Atlanta fans already out here screaming that they don't want D'Angelo Russell. You know what I'm saying? So we figure Austin Reeves probably isn't on the table. You know, you're not going to trade Anthony Davis right now because as long as you're keeping LeBron, you know, you figure Anthony Davis is the best path as a running mate to get LeBron back to the finals. Because in the end, it's not about the Lakers getting to the finals. It's about LeBron getting to the finals. You know, as we look at this, me and Mr. Logical used to argue about this way before Sports Reports Disorder was even thought of. Correct. You know, we used to argue about this. Why don't Cleveland try to find a trade for LeBron well, LeBron has a no trade clause. Right. But if we find the right trade, maybe he'll say yes. You know, why did Miami let LeBron hold them hostage and walk away and leave devastation in his wake? <laughs> this is what he does. You know, it is what it is. And that's not even hate. I'm not even trying to hate on LeBron right now. I'm just saying that's what happens when he leaves these teams. And it's usually yeah. because he walks away. His buddies leave, too. And then we got to hear about how the team can't win without him. So as I'm looking at this season, 39 years old, having a great season, Michael Jordan could never 
<laughs> you know, and and even with that being said, they're barely above five hundred. They won the in season tournament, and they've been awful ever since for the most part. They got right. the win against Golden State, so you know you got to give them the credit where the credit is due. But I think they, this trade would be the Knicks. But I think this trade would be beneficial for both teams. I mean, for both parties, for LeBron and the Lakers, from the standpoint of once you move LeBron, maybe you can move Anthony Davis. Now you can get some picks back that we know the Lakers don't care about the draft, but you can go get you another star, a younger star, to start the new era of Laker. You know, as I look at LeBron James with the hourglass, you know, with the Knicks tile, with the Knicks colored shoe, I would just be sick of the shit. <laughs> like I'm sick of this shit right now, and I don't even deal with them directly. And I'm sorry, Mr. Logical, because I know you would like to have LeBron on this show at some point. But you know, I just got—I gotta be authentic. I gotta be authentic because you know, two five. Because you know, back in the day when we were listening, you know, who's the best MCs? Jay Z, Biggie, or Nas? A part of that was. The subliminals being so clever, your reign on the top was short like leprechauns and things like that, where you had to figure out who they were talking about, piece it together. It was like a chess match. They were just all, there was a cold war going on that not a lot of people knew about because Twitter and all that wasn't around back then. LeBron tries to do that, but he's just childish and annoying. <laughs> you know what I mean? He so does it end, a lot. Yeah, he does it a lot, so it doesn't have that effect. But who knew after all these years and trying to put Kevin Love in his place, LeBron would be the one trying to fit out. Now, I am going to say this. The LeBron <laughs> trade is too late. Also, the Lakers haven't ha had a season without a superstar. For a while. So they had the gap after Kobe retired. Of course, his final years. But they are a show. They are entertainment. They have the championships. But they literally, they were showtime through the 80s and the 90s. Then they got Kobe. They got Shaq. They started winning more championships. They had a little gap. They got Powell. Paired him with Kobe. Won some more championships. Eastern Conference, Western Conference Finals, things of that nature. And then they had a little gap. Hired Magic Johnson. That brought a little buzz to the team because the Lakers need buzz. They're Hollywood. When you're right. selling a movie, you need buzz. Right. They are the masters of buzz. I think they opt, they, I think they treat their team like a Hollywood movie. You can have an average script, but if you feel like you can go get the best actor it'll make the movie work. And it, it it worked in 2020 when they won the championship that year with LeBron right. and AD because they gave up a bunch. It was like, you're making a movie, you overpay Angelina Jolie, you overpay, you know, J-Lo, you overpay Vin Diesel, you pay these guys 30, 40 million just because it's like, yeah, we're going to be right, our budget's going to be high, but The Rock and Kevin Hart together, are they're going to get us 500 million dollars if it works and that's what lebron is lebron is that box office piece with ad the no trade clause 
on top of the fact that every team isn't cultivated to handle that LeBron, what LeBron brings. And it's not a negative thing. It's just like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's like, uh, right now I work in the, I work in the flying squadron. Airplane is pretty large. You can't land at every airport. Just certain airports need, you need certain things in place before the jet can even land at the airport. So when these guys are planning out their missions and they're going to land somewhere, it's like, we can't go there. They don't have the support we need. It's not that we're a diva airline or a diva group of, you know, air crew. It's just that this plane requires X amount of support, X amount of like certain level has to be upper echelon kind of support. Same thing if you are trying to get a DOD hotel. Like if you're overseas and you're DOD, you have to get a DOD approved hotel because of safety and security. You are an upper echelon piece. You can't just get off the plane and creech and go to the, the next the next hotel next to the airport. It has to be a certain distance from X, Y, and Z, safety, whatever, whatever the case may be. So it may seem like, oh, you guys are being extra, but that's what comes along with what you bring to the table. LeBron is that piece. He leaves these teams in shambles, but they, they get to the finals. They're selling out every home game for four years in a row. They're selling out every road game. Price tickets are inflated. I looked at tickets last uh, for the Knicks game Saturday. It was $696 for the nosebleed seats. $700. That's a couple of car payments to sit above the scoreboard because the Lakers were in New York City. That's what you get when you have more your team. So you gotta take the bad, good with the bad. But when you give them, the, you give a guy that talent no trade clause. You got to do everything around that to make your team mm-hmm. work. You yeah, can't and- expect you can't expect that piece to all of a sudden be like, oh, this isn't working because all these pieces we put around it didn't work. So now this not that piece is unmovable. Right, and and see, and that's the thing with the a franchise <laughs> like the Lakers, you're not playing to get to the finals. You know what I mean? You're not playing to be a contender. Yes, you're, you are. No, you're not. not you're playing to bring they're it not, home. They're, they're not champions. You're playing they're to bring champions. it home. They're no, not, they're, they're not. not a, no, no, no. You're, we're saying no, two no. different things. We're saying two different things. I'm not saying that the, the Lakers are a championship team. Historically, that's they, what they play for. Everyone plays for the championship for the most part, but it's like the Dallas Cowboys. They make moves in the hopes that they win championships, but if they can just keep putting butts in seats, because think about what have the Lakers done to improve their team every year. They basically trade apples for different color apples. They get a bunch of guys who are tough. (laughs) They can't shoot for the last three seasons. You get Cam Reddish, you get Rui, you get, uh, you just get guys off the bench. That's a part of the LeBron experience. You get a bunch, but they keep getting guys who can't shoot. They keep getting get, his buddies. Then you get one guy that can really that, he was, that's he was the showing one that improvement. Off on, he was the one that signed off on Westbrook coming there when there were probably shooters out there that they could have got Buddy Healed. They could have got Buddy Healed, but they but got then Westbrook. they wanted Buddy Healed, but because they wouldn't they, move the trade pieces. They could have gotten Buddy. They wouldn't Hill. move Westbrook. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. So they they haven't really put themselves in a position to really be a championship team other than just keeping LeBron. And that's all they had. Magic Johnson was there. LeBron fell into their lap. The Lakers have done nothing since they got Paul Gasol that says without without LeBron just going there, 
Name one move that they made that was like, yeah, this Anthony is a championship move. That's because LeBron said trade all these other dudes away, which wasn't this, which wasn't a smart move. Oh, they LeBron said like, that. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely okay. He said, go get okay, my guy. Sure, because I know before guy. when we say that he be doing these things, people say he don't. No, I know he asked for everyone knows he asked for Anthony Davis. He was assigned to his agency. He was the guy that he wanted. He's pretty much said it publicly without tampering. So we know he wanted that guy. But other than that, other than that move, and on top of that, the moves after that, they didn't re-sign Alex Caruso. They gave up Kuzma and KCP to get Westbrook. It's like they keep making these moves that aren't championship moves, and it looks like they're a championship team because you know they have the ultimate championship piece in LeBron coupled with AD. That's it. That's their you only championship move that they the have. team going. This is the blueprint, too. It's the gift and the curse. Because all these years, all we've heard is if you put LeBron on this team, they're a contender. And it was true. You know, they get to the finals. X they, were, so, they were in the so Western now, Conference Finals. People are still, it's, it's people are like still viewing true. LeBron through that 2013 lens. Is yeah, If we have like LeBron, we can win. You can win. They were in the Western Conference Finals last year. They were up. I mean, yeah, they got swept. But they were up in games one and two. Blew those leads. It happens because at some point you need another guy who can kind of get his own bucket. Right. They didn't have that. But made it to the Western Conference Finals. That it, I wasn't expecting them to make it that far because I don't I I think I don't think yeah, that was the weird built. thing because that was we were reversed last year. Cause I was like, I like the trade moves, and you were like, nah, they ain't gonna do nothing. It was weird. Like it just because like I said, it just, it just felt like they just were just trading apples for other apples. And I understand wholeheartedly LeBron for his entire career. You could put you could have put him on any team in the league, especially in his prime years. Right. Like that that eight year run when he went, went to the finals eight mm-hmm. straight years. Right. You could probably you could have probably put him on a different team every year, just him for those right. eight years. And I think that team would have been odds one or two to make it to the to the finals every single year Easily. just because he, he is he is that dynamic it's like you can't right. take that away from him. the problem is the expectations right now are too high for the team that they have especially considering the fact that he's uh what three years younger than us yo dude yeah he would have we would have been in high school with him like he would know he would have been the year we graduated, he would have rolled he would in. Have he would have been a freshman. Yeah. He would have been a freshman. So and I like, think that's lost. I think people understand. We, in our, we that, named there in our mid-40s. Well, I think people y'all understand. Y'all went in the league of 22-year-olds, 22 to 25-year-olds are dominating the league. And you want the 40-year-old dude. It's like, Yeah, I think, I think that people understand that he's older or old. But I don't think people actually understand how old he is. Like, yeah. you know, the things that he's doing – like is remarkable. We've never seen anybody at this age do the things that he's doing. So he's I understand the most minutes in the history of the sport. So I understand why if you if you have him on your team, you feel that you have a chance. But if you're not, if you're going to basically practice malpractice, because I don't know how Palinka still has a job. So if you're going to put these pieces around apples him for apples, they literally have then, done. They haven't made a championship move. For getting Paul Gasol was your only championship move, and that was because Jerry West gave it to him. <laughs> if Paul Gasol is on any other team, they're not getting Paul Gasol for what they traded him for. His Correct. little brother, who was unproven, uh, Kwame Brown, I believe, yeah, 
and like some picks from like okay. 2037 or something like that. Some crazy, like no see, one else that's even that deal up other than Jerry West. And that was their the only championship move. That's the other problem I was talking about. You know, they gave up all their picks except for, I think it's what, 2027 and 2029 maybe? I think they moved those picks. You know, so. Whoever so, they have on the team now. Yeah, so it's just one I of those. I think that was part of the where, package deal from last year. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like, so from that standpoint, that's why I'm like, you have to, you're going to start over at some point. And like I used to tell my airmen, because, you know, we had some knuckleheads back in the day. You know, said so yeah. I, I used to tell my airmen, go home because you chose to go home, not because they told you to go home. And and that's where I'm at with the Lakers. Don't start over because LeBron walked away and you have to start over. Sometimes it's okay to get ahead of it. Now, I know I that told you over I, two years ago that they should have traded AD. Yeah. And then just relish in the fact that they got a championship in 2020. Trade AD to whomever has some young talent. But you can't do that just like you and can't then trade maybe, LeBron. And because LeBron, maybe LeBron doesn't re-sign there. He goes back to the Heat. He goes back to Cleveland. Something like that. And you and you can look at the AD trade as this is what we got for LeBron. Because we got AD because LeBron was here. We get AD. We move AD. We get whatever pieces back we get. We pair him with LeBron for however many years he had left on his deal, and then you let him walk. It's, well, it's know, not a knock on mean, him, right? but it's like you, you're in, you're in no man's you're in no man's land because you you just you you just weren't you weren't in a position to you weren't in a position of power once you essentially. Won the championship and kind of gave up too much after the fact. You, you know just, what they it need, was just right? too rough. They, they need a two five up in there because I think that sometimes sports executives and GMs they get inside their mind and they're cognizant of the criticism that they're going to receive if they do certain things. So, like you forever, whatever happens in your life. After you trade LeBron James, you're, you're going to be known as the person that traded LeBron, traded James. LeBron James. You know, regardless that trading what point he is at his in his career. But even if but even if you but even if you just trade AD and keep LeBron, two questions: What are you bringing in to get you closer to a championship? Whatever you could have got on for number two, and then number two, two seasons ago, and then number two. You're still going to be dealing with his bullshit and his, his, you know, and his like tweets and all this kind of stuff that yeah, isn't conducive. That, that that's, but that's the thing. The Lakers organization, they are the airport that can handle the heavy aircraft coming in. They can handle that because they are such a limelight based franchise. They are not. LeBron's not their first superstar. Cleveland, LeBron was their first superstar, and you saw how. Uh, Dan Gilbert handled him when he left Miami. LeBron wasn't their first superstar. Pat Riley didn't go bananas when they left. He just kept his coaches. He kept bringing D Wade back, and and he just kept making moves to keep. He just was like, "Hey, I'm not gonna acquiesce to all your requests." He kept it together. The Lakers are that kind of place. They just 
are living in fantasy land thinking mm-hmm. that it's all just going to work out. And that's why I said, smarten up, Nas. You know, so. Four to six weeks. I love it. Mike be killing me with these titles because I don't see him. I don't see the banners before. So we see him when I see him live. This is a real reaction to like some of these banners <laughs> that he comes up with. So, yeah. So reigning defending MVP, Joel Embiid. I called him out a couple of weeks ago because he didn't want to play in Denver. He got pulled off the court. I still feel that way. You know what I mean? Obviously, he got hurt a few games later, unfortunately, against Golden State. Kaminga ran into his leg and everything. Freak freak injury to some degree. So that wasn't tied to what happened in Denver. But now he's out four to six weeks. The Sixers have been, you ready for it? The Sixers have been surmounted, (laughs) you know, by the Knicks and the Cavs. You know, so there are so right now they're in sixth. They sit Correct. about a, a game out of fourth, I believe. You know, um, so if the playoffs were to start today, they would be they're on fifth. the road. Oh, they're fifth. I'm sorry. They yeah, so they, they, so they would be playing they the Boston Dallas tonight. Yeah, so they would be playing the Knicks right now if the playoffs started today in the four or five, but they would be the road team. Correct. So, Mr. Logical, you've been talking real crazy. Out here listening to people like Kendrick Perkins listen, talking man, about this listen. man needs to sit. Talk to me about it. Per that, you know, that clip of Kendrick Perkins, I don't know if anyone's seen it, it was from ESPN. Reportedly, Embiid was having trouble jumping before the injury. I think he probably didn't play in Denver because he needs the rest. He's a big body going about 7'2", 285, and then the way he plays, he doesn't just play your traditional, like Jokic doesn't need to move that fluidly. Jokic kind of just, he can kind of lumber. And B plays with great quickness, like a soccer player. He played soccer growing up, you know, being from Africa. So, like, I think he moves differently. He moves like a guy who's 6'7", but his body is 7'2", and it's like you, it's, it's hard to kind of balance both, but that's how he plays. That's how he's averaging 36 points a game. But it could be to his detriment if he tries to come back. Because four to six weeks, we did the math. You know, you get about two, two to three games a week, about two and a half. So you're you're somewhere around 12 to 18 games. They just played their 49th game. So that will get you back between game 61 and 67. So that gives you six, 15 to 21 games left. So if he comes back, the likelihood of him playing the remainder of those games, it's unlikely. He'll probably play about 70% of those. So I get you about 12 to 12 games, maybe, out of the 20, 12 to 14 games. And if you're – so if you watch them tonight, Dallas and a lot of teams are notorious for shooting a lot of threes. Philly had like a 9 to 10-point lead. And the Dallas just started pump faking and just going to the cup because Mo Bamba, they, I think they took Mo Bamba out. I think they had Tobias Harris playing the four to five. So Dallas just started taking it to the cup. Kyrie with his layup package. Grant Williams just trying to do his thing. Uh, young guy, Josh Green. So they just started taking it to the cup. And I don't know if, how coaches view tape and blueprints and so forth and so on. 
But without Embiid there, just as a just a big body, they were just taking it to the cup. And then Maxi has to come back down and make up for the fact that there's no rim protection. So you're probably gonna lose. I mean, best case scenario, you go you win about eight or nine of these games if you're lucky. You know, you end up like the Heat are going to get better just because they always get better after the All-Star break. They just do. I think they coast properly. And then after the All-Star break, they just ramp it up. So they, they're probably going to be around seven or eight by the time B gets back in four weeks. Because I don't I don't know what you do unless you just have Maxi just go ape every single game. And he's dropping. He's putting up MB numbers. But if he doesn't, who does? Tobias Harris does he give you. Maybe sixteen points. Yeah, don't even get me started with him. So, um, like, I think I think it's just it might be it might be more favorable for them to just consider sitting him down, not making that decision yet. But at three and a half weeks, if it doesn't look like he can play at all for three more weeks, or if he can't do any contact for a couple of weeks, it's like you you just gotta wait. Like, listen, we gotta pay this guy. This guy's gonna pay a lot of money. We need them. We're not a championship team. I don't see this team making it out of the East anyway. So you're looking at a potential second round exit again. <clears throat> so at least give yourself the excuse of we lost Embiid. We had to sit him down. Let's regroup. See, I get it. And I'm not necessarily fully against it. Yeah, it makes some but, bad but but you know, I don't I don't think that that should be the thought going in, you know, um, how obviously long would, how long before you would have that thought? Like what, what would I make think you, you I think you would just have to see, you would have to, whenever he gets cleared for contact and cleared for practice and all that, I think you just have to see and monitor how he looks at that time. Just like they did at the Denver game where he, he was there for shoot around and the trainers were the ones that pointed out like, Hey, something looks off. Like he doesn't look like himself today. They sat him down. It's just that with narratives, he hadn't played in Denver since 2019. So that was easy to jump on. You know, now, once he gets cleared for practice, if he's running sets or whatever, and you're just like, he doesn't seem to have any bounce to him or any spring to him. You mentioned that he could that they said he couldn't jump very well. So if Correct. he still, so if he still looks stiff and like a damn ogre, you know what I mean? Then like you think about that. You know, but with that being said, you know, this is a chance now for a lot of things to happen. Because I was looking at the Kia NBA ladder for MVP, and he's been number one every week of the season until this week, where he's Correct. been replaced by Nicola. And I know a lot of people that look like me <laughs> going to be upset that Jokic is number one on that Kia ladder. But, you know, we got SGA coming into the chat. So this is a chance. True. This is a chance for a new MVP candidate to get some shine. This is a chance for Luca coming off of 73 and all that to get into the MVP conversation if Dallas can start winning some more games. This is a chance for Jason Tatum, the leader of the best team in the NBA, to get into the MVP conversation. So Maybe all this not watch slides in. Let's not get crazy now. You know, hey, they were like third in the West. They look prime. They look healthy. 
I well, mean, the, I problem, the problem with Kawhi, guy. I don't know well, if he's a 65 game guy, but yeah, I was gonna say the difference, does, between, yeah. the difference between Kawhi and Embiid is they're both hurt all year, but Kawhi misses his time as we get to the playoffs and closer to the playoffs. That's the difference. Yeah, it's all it's it's a very strange conundrum. But you know, but but I'm excited. You know, you don't want to see anybody get injured, but I'm excited to see what Cleveland can do. You know, with this new opportunity. You know, I'm excited to see. Unfortunately, I don't know. I, I feel like I might gag when I say this, but I'm looking forward to see what the Knicks can do. Nine you know, and one in the last 10 games. You know, so the Pacers are only three and a half back of Philly coming into tonight. So, you know, Tyrese Halliburton, you mentioned they might be closer to seven or eight by the time Embiid gets back. So if he does come back to your argument, because you're a fan of the play-in, how exciting does that make the play-in? If Joel Embiid is fighting for his life, so to speak, I think the play is exciting off the rip just because it is just it's a gamble. Like you should have made it, you should have made it to six, but now exactly. you're seven, and it's like, man, we really can be gone because then you start thinking. Because like I think the teams at seven are like, you know what, man, how close were we to six? Should I have played that road game in Portland? that we dropped or we let let Detroit get one and now we're seven instead of six like little things like that I think that doubt kind of creeps in that's why the 10 I like the 10 in that matchup because or like I like the uh the eight in that matchup because the seven is like man we were so close to six and eight's like listen man we we could beat them and we locked in we're good to go like we don't have to keep dealing with this this playing stuff and these guys are like so, but you know, but we've seen we've seen LeBron in the play-in. Obviously, last year we saw what Miami did last year. We've seen Steph in the play-in. You know, we've seen John Morant in the play-in. So, Embiid being in the play-in wouldn't necessarily be a shocker from the standpoint of he's too big for the play-in. Yeah. So, I think I think that would add a new element. You know, that even though I'm not a fan of the play-in, you know, that would be something that I might be ready to tune into to see. And be with pressure on him, you know, because for all intents and purposes, winning your end, yeah, he was the MVP. Winning your end, you know. So now, you know, being that him and Kyrie are the first real notable scratches from the award races because they've both missed enough games that they're not going to be eligible for All NBA and those type of things. So now. You know, I'm interested in the talk around it because I know we talked about Tyrese Halliburton a little while ago and how I'm for the rule, but I don't like it being tied to the contract. Yeah, they should have probably they I, I don't know what the NBA PA was thinking. I don't know if this it just didn't come to mind because the thing Maybe they wanted to smoke weed. I don't know. I I don't think you and I even talked about the impact because we talked about John Morant's suspension costing right. him money. Because right. he didn't make it all NBA team. I didn't think about like just the contracts and the way they're written and what your future contract can look like uh because of that. So when they went to this, when they agreed to this 65 game modification, it should have come with the caveat of kind of amendment to your contract. Like, listen, that has nothing to do with my contract. Like right. we gotta we gotta figure out some other kind of language to where you got a guy like Therese How- Tyrese Halliburton who had a legitimate injury. Like, I mean, when he slipped, 
like he did the splits. And if you're not flexible, and you ran that fast. It's like, you know, he shouldn't, he shouldn't be penalized as, as much. As it says up to $54 million that he can miss out on. For, right. And, and that's where the pro. players, like, like I said earlier, a wise man once said, Vince McMahon didn't screw Bret Hart. Bret Hart screwed Bret Hart. The players screwed the players, you know, because they allowed that they allowed their money to be a part of the conversation, you know. So I'm on board with all NBA MVP awards like that not being given to people who missed all these games. And this is the problem, though. Greg Popovich was the engineer of load management. He started this. He got fined the $250,000, but everybody else ran with it. There are consequences to your actions. So when you decide to sit your players out, not only are you hurting your playoff chances or your seating chances, but you're taking away from the fans. You're taking away. So at what point is it about you to the fact of the detriment of everybody else? So what, what signs do you have that says that that makes, that makes the most sense? They don't it's have like any giving me a night off from a 48 minute basketball game versus giving me two days off from practice Tuesday, Wednesday. Like what's more beneficial to my body, me not having to come to the building at all. And I can sleep in my $15,000 sweetest mattress or getting up, driving to the building, going through treatment, going through all these drills. It's like, if you go, if you planned on sitting me at the game Thursday, then just give me Tuesday and Wednesday off and let me play Thursday. Because like that, that has to be less stress on the body than two days of practice. But see, Joel Embiid is proof of this because he was load managing. He was sitting out due to soreness, due to back problems, due to his feet hurting, whatever it might have been. And look at us now. You know, say you can't legislate and try to cheat injuries out of the game. Injuries are going to happen. So that's why we knew when this rule was put into place, we knew there would be collateral damage. There would be people affected, like Tyrese Halliburton, that maybe didn't deserve to be affected that way. Like I said, I didn't really think that – I didn't really think about it like that. I just thought about more of the sense of, well, these guys won't win – these awards and then the whole guilt conversations and things like that. Like who was better because there's going to, there was going to be a guy that's going to play 64 games. That was going to have a better season than the guy who played 66 games and won the award. Right. You know, I just figured, I thought that would be the conversations like, but see, but, but that's I didn't really think, I, I didn't really think about their back. contracts and how that hurt them. But that's why I always pushed back to Draymond where he was talking about, wait till these bums start winning winning the awards and see how y'all feel then. And it's like, why are you mad at us? Y'all the ones that didn't want to play? Like, yeah, but it's still going to be a top guy winning the award. Unless yeah, it's still going to be a top single... guy. It'll be Jason Tatum instead of Embiid, or it'll be Giannis instead of Embiid. Like, yeah, or it'll I'm be not SGA, about who, that. SGA who's going to play like 74 games. Now. And he's going like, to average damn near 30, 37 and 7, something like that. He's, he's going he's gonna to have the numbers to support it. Because most of the top guys, you got a guy like Jalen Brunson. These guys are averaging like career mm-hmm. best, career highs. They're leading their teams. So you're not going to get, uh, you know, not to pick on Steve Nash again, but Steve Nash is averaging like <laughs> 16 points and 14 assists or something crazy like that. 
you won't get somebody like that winning the MVP award because he played 71 games. You're going to get one of these young guys who played 74, 75 games, averaged like 26 to 27 points. Their team is going to be second and third in their conference. One of these players is still going to win it, which I think is what the NBA Maybe needs. if somebody like Jimmy Butler cared, he could win an MVP. But you know I mean? think Jimmy Butler just kind of knows that this team is a post all-star break push right, right. to the playoffs. Team stay fresh, stay yeah. healthy, but, be but physical, in, play together. In true sports reports is ordered fashion. I wouldn't complain unless it was somebody like Julius Randle winning the MVP. Oh my God, this dude and Julius Randle. You know what but I mean? Once again, Ju- Julius Randle has never put up MVP numbers. So when Draymond said bums, he saw my like him winning MVP with his triple single. <laughs> like this. Yeah, look, look who's not letting people on our show now. Look at that. Listen, we'll just get Michael Parsons when Jerry Jones makes him stop doing his podcast. Could be a you know, but but back to the Sixers real quick. Um, You just gotta hope because Maxi is having a career year, so maybe you hope that he has another gear. So, like you said, if they're if they're and B misses eighteen games, if you could go eleven and seven, not what I saw tonight. I think. Well, I mean, they beat Utah the other day. Where but Maxi had to score 43. Yeah, yeah, yeah 40 some you know, points. That's what I'm yeah. saying. So it was oh, like, no, he scored, I think he scored 50. It was I like 50. Know. I think he had like 50. Yeah, yeah. But from what I saw tonight, it looks like the blueprint because it wasn't like Luca had less than 20. I think Kyrie had, I believe it was 19, maybe it was 22. So it wasn't as if these two superstars lit them up. Like I said, this guy uh he you know, had his third 20-point game of the year against them because, like I said, the ball was rotating, pump faking, and they were just going to the lane. If they can't adjust to that, I mean, let's Mo Bamba can kind of step up and just play the defensive version of Embiid and strictly just do that. And don't worry about any kind of offense. Just play like, all right, yo, let me just go down here, get my Embiid on, and try to be a rim protector without fouling. Because if you don't have that, like I'm – Person, if I'm a team, I'm going. I'm going to the paint every time, right? And whoever's Maxi's guarding, because I know he's going to come down and be the offensive weaponry. <clears throat> I'm Wear him out. Pick and roll, so he has to run into big bodies all day, or whatever guy he has. I'm gonna just try to take him off the dribble well, as like, much uh, as possible. Uh, when when they asked LeBron about playing the Warriors, he said, "Hey, whoever Steph is guarding, go get a bucket." Yeah, just you, lack you, of better words. It's just math. It's just base. It's only these guys are prime athletes, but there's only so much energy one person can have, right? In a right. game this physical, even though I know people feel like this current age of basketball isn't physical, but I mean, look at him beat and be seven foot two, two eighty five. Can you imagine someone running into a screen with him? Whew. And then you got to switch it after you run into him. <laughs> you got to switch it, and then he gets the ball. And now he's twenty two feet from the hoop, and he's jab stepping you. After you just ran into him, I mean, like it just—it's just chaos. But yeah. without that, that's that's such a a huge, such a huge loss for Philly. And and I feel bad because I, like I said, Philly, the the fans of passion—they're crazy. They really, really, really want a championship. They really want success. I think they they love. They put a statue up to Nick for Nick Foles. Like right. they really love. They love Rocky. Rocky's uh, imaginary. Like is a is a story. He's not a real person. But because he's such a winner and a grinder, like it's mm-hmm. kind of embodies the city. 
Embiid is that way. <coughs> Rest in peace, just, Carl Weathers. It just shout out to Carl Weathers. You know, but yeah, like, uh, but yeah, that's what Philly's on, and that's why they're one of my favorite cities. You know, because I'm a sports guy, and they're a sports town. So you know, speaking of sports, we're talking about sports. So let's get into another sport, the NFL. Yeah, Bell has calmed down. All the head coaching positions has been filled. We've got some coordinator movement still going on. Yes, so it's a couple teams that don't have any coordinators. Yeah, so Mr. Logical, who won the coaching carousel? Who lost the coaching carousel? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the Chargers. Like, I think because Harbaugh was the big fish, having Justin Herbert, so they can thank Miami for taking Tua back in the day because that essentially sealed their Harbaugh. Because I without Herbert, I don't know if you. If I don't know why he would go, how attractive they are, yeah, yeah, as as a team. Um, <laughs> so I think that works, and he does have a track record of turning teams around. And the NFL, surprisingly, for how difficult it is of a, a league to be successful, the turnaround is is pretty substantial. So you have fourteen teams make the playoffs every year, like eight teams from the previous year don't make it. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. So you have an opportunity there, and you can just you can kind of you can almost pencil in Kansas City to win the West potentially. But right. if Harbaugh can get it there and have impact, but I think you know the Chargers could be a five seed. Some of the other moves: New England hiring Mayo. I like the fact that they hired you know black coaches and and these guys getting chances to you know, show what they can do. I'm just not sure if the philosophy is going to be different enough. Like, I don't know what other types of pieces he will bring in. It's like when I go home and I watch my dad cook, I come back here and I want to cook. I call him. It's like, this guy raised me to where I am now. So like my, and he's heavily influenced in my, in the way I cook. So I'm going to call him. He'll like do this, 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 and this. So Mayo was influenced so heavily by Bill Belichick, the likelihood of him coming in with the Sean McVay kind of attitude towards game plan is unlikely. So I think you're going to kind of get the same. Maybe it'll be better. Maybe because he's younger, he can get a little bit more of an influence. This game is still going on. Maybe maybe a little bit more influence. Talking about the Lakers or Clippers, Hawks. Hawks down three, 147-144 in regulation. Mm. Uh, so, hey, uh, hey, can we get this two hundred point, point game? <laughs> I mean, if Paul George, if Paul George messes this up, I don't know. It ain't the playoffs though. He might not show up tonight, right? Playoff piece. Did, did they have a foul to give? That was that was. Oh, they just fouled James Harden. He's a good free throw shooter. I don't know about that move, but uh, I like I like Vegas. Keeping Pierce, I think it just it was just worth it just was worth it. It just was worth it to see how this plays out because a lot of these other coaches, you're just hoping that it works with your team. Getting that snapshot of Pierce last season, beating the Chiefs in Arrowhead, the 65 points they put up on the Chargers. I think it just you're like, you know what? I've seen enough here. Uh this is something else that doesn't make any sense. I'm, I think I brought it up the last show. When people say, oh, you hired a defensive coach, and now you got to draft this young quarterback, 
how is he going to be able to help? Like, he's a defensive coach. He's going to hire offensive coordinator. The offensive coordinator can help the quarterback grow. Like, the head coach doesn't have to be the only person watering the, the proverbial flowers of talent on the team. So if you need a – what's going on here? I'm watching this. Oh, and that's ball game. 149-144, Clippers beat the Hawks in Atlanta. So that close. Seattle going to McDonald's, people's like, oh, you went from defense coach to another defense coach. Yeah, it's like you only get it's a 50-50 shot. You're either gonna get a defensive coach or an offensive coach. Andy Reid being an offensive coach is great. The reason it looks like it's a wonderful move is because he has a top flight quarterback. Uh Sean McDermott looks like it's a bad move. But he still has a top flight quarterback, but he doesn't always make game time winning plays. Same thing with Dan Campbell and Jared Goff. Jared Goff is a very, very good quarterback. It's just these guys don't always make the winning play. Mahomes seems to put himself in position to make winning plays. Lamar, John Harbaugh was a special teams coach. I don't even know if he was considered offensive defense, but just special you teams. just bring you just bring in the right you bring in the right coaches and and, and coordinators and weapons around him, and you let him handle it. Eric Mangini says something pretty interesting. He was like, a defensive head coach, when he comes in, he's more likely to allow the offensive coaches to use the early draft picks on the best available offensive players because he feels, as a defensive coach, the pieces we have in place here I can make and it work. the pieces we, we get late, I can make it work because my scheme defensively, mm-hmm. I can teach and I can make it work. Whereas I'm going to give you an opportunity to get, there could be a 6'5 defensive end at 12 or a 6'5 wide receiver at 12. I'm going to let you get the wide receiver at 12 that's rated, you know, top 15 in the on the, in the draft boards. And we can go get another guy in the third round that I can make a good defensive end with my scheme mm-hmm. so it just it's all about balancing on making it work because kansas city has a top two defense in the league with eric Bieniemy the past couple of years and andy reed this year like these guys are offensive coaches but right chris jones is probably one of the most dominant defensive tackles sean McVay, offensive coach but jalen ramsey and uh aaron donald won him a ring so it's just like that kind of thing. So I think Carolina put themselves in a position where they're going to be firing that coach within the year and a half and <laughs> drafting another quarterback. <laughs> I think Tennessee made a good move hiring a, a legacy guy. So, like I said, he could do the Shanahan thing where he can just kind of maybe hire his dad as a consultant, maybe just make him an unofficial consultant, just kind of get that that old school, you know, information. But, yeah, I mean – and we, you, already, you already know my feelings on Atlanta and the Washington move. I'm not really sure about with Quinn, and he, he hasn't really retained the offensive coordinator yet. So that's up that's up for you. Like, what do you think? Because that's your squad. I rambled on long enough. I I, I like it. Uh, I, I don't. I don't. I wasn't. I'm not a fan of Dan Quinn. I like the coordinators that he hired. You know, um, I'm good with Cliff Kingsbury, seeing what he's done with quarterbacks in the past. You know, so as a team that's in position to draft a young quarterback or if they decide to stick with Stan Howell or whichever happens, you know, I feel confident that he can get something out of them. Not that the enemy couldn't, but now with the offseason where you can go get free agents, tool around the team, 
you give you give Clingsbury a better start than the enemy had. You know, um, I think that with the defensive coordinator hire, um, I like him a lot. Um, I've heard nothing but great things. Obviously, he was a secondary coach, so um, defensive back is my favorite position. So you know, I like that. But from what I've been hearing from talking to Cowboy fans and just their overall thoughts, it made me feel a lot better about it. They still don't like Dan Quinn per se, but I think I'm fighting my own inner bias because whenever I think of Dan Quinn, you know what I think about. I'm not going to say it again, but you know what I think about. Um, And, you know, I also don't know if he's a builder per se, because we know him as the architect of the Legion of Boom, but Pete Carroll pretty much put that team together. He was the head coach and ran that team. And he was also a GM. Yeah, he was the GM. Dan Quinn was able to just focus on that. I don't know if implementing he's a, the Pete Carroll yeah. team. Right. I don't he know. He went to Atlanta. Atlanta's defense wasn't very. It wasn't great. Like whole. Like the, the no, whole they were twenty seventh that year great. that they made the Super Bowl. But because they started off so poorly early in the year, that what they end up doing was uh he kind of dumbed it down later in the year because I believe at one point, so after about, I think after about 10 weeks, they were six and four on, I believe. I believe they had a buy. And in that he was like, you know what? I'm going to get rid of some of this stuff. I just want you young guys to play fast. Everybody just get to the ball, try to get the ball out. So they started causing more turnovers. You saw it in the NFC Championship game and in the Super Bowl. They had to strip, they strip uh LeGarrette Blunt and they had to pick six. So it just was like just play yeah. fast, just play fast. I'll figure out how to teach you guys this stuff this next offseason. Right now, these 10 games in, we have a, a high flying offense. Just play fast, bend, don't break, maybe get a turnover in the red zone. And they caused a couple against Green Bay, the turnovers in the red zone, and then the Falcons came down. <laughs> that's my boy shout out shout out to ray ramos what will ramos do uh back in korea prd that means so that was uh that was my coon song connect so appreciate that yeah uh the it's 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 tough when your season ends twice the way dan quinn's seasons have ended like these not necessarily like the san francisco losses but the but even the Green Bay Atlanta twenty-eight to three, the in the Green Bay loss, they're they were so bad that it looks it makes you look like are you a good coach or were you in a good circumstance while coaching? Right. So so and that's we'll, what I'm we'll afraid of. Watching. That's what I'm afraid of. But conversely, you know that's my word when I'm typing papers and stuff. Personally, <laughs> you know, um, I like subsequently. That's I use that a lot. <laughs> I love McDonald. Word. McDonald is the coach that I wanted. Apparently, the Commanders made an offer, but then Seattle backed up the Brinks truck and was like, "We'll take him off your hands or whatever." So, what um, huh? What they give him? Did they give him this fifteen? Um, I, didn't see, I didn't see. I didn't see the numbers. I just saw reports that were saying that. Washington was pretty close to signing him, but then Seattle offered more. Um, I like him, and I think he's also going to the most playoff-ready team. You know, they were a game away from the playoffs this year. 
if some things would have happened in week 18. You know, yeah. they have the defensive backs in place with Witherspoon and Woolen, you know, to be able to at least do the back end stuff that he did in Baltimore. What I like about him is that with his scheme, Baltimore was able to lead the league in sacks and generate pressure without necessarily having the blitz. Correct. So so what that shows me is that he's good at adjustments. You know, he thinks outside the box. If something's not going right, unlike Todd Munkin on offense. That sec that second half against Kansas City, where Kansas City came out like gangbusters in the first half. Right. And we can say, like I said, I know I personally said, like, I think they were just kind of playing the odds of we're up two possessions. Baltimore is not adjusting to our defense. Let's not let's not give Baltimore any momentum. Let's not throw that pass that gets tipped and intercepted. Let's just let's just milk this clock. Right. But he even a run game, it was they were filling these gaps and he brought he started bringing Hamilton in the box more towards the second half. He's like, yo, take him out of coverage because they're not throwing it. Just come to the box. And he was he was wrapped to Pacheco. Pacheco's a tough guy to bring down. Him and Roquan Swift were in the backfield that whole second half. So see the the way his season ended, you have optimism in Seattle. Like, okay, this guy does know he doesn't, you know, he has a scheme that works. Whereas Dan Quinn is like, we don't know if your scheme works. Right. We don't know and, if you can handle big moments. Like, you know, Ray is a that just comedy. He's a Cowboys fan, big Cowboys fan. So, you know, I'm, they're pre- I'm pretty sure they're happy he's gone because they feel like he chokes. The problem is they're gonna have to keep Dak, and Dak's gonna. Yeah, get and, I, and I know Dallas Mike. Way about Dak. I know Dallas Mike always likes to bring up uh, Dan Quinn's record against. You know his, his former his former head coaches or whatever, system, uh, yeah, yeah, stuff like that, yeah, yeah. So we'll see how that works out in the future. But, um, but yeah, I like McDonald. Um, now Seattle has a decision to make: Are we going to go through another year of Geno Smith and groom someone, or are we going to stick with Geno? So they have that decision to make. They got two good running backs, Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet. So I think Seattle's set up in a good position if McDonald is what I think he is. You know, uh, the Chargers go without saying. Um, you know, they obviously have that mountain called Mahomes to climb in their division. Yeah. You know, but they have talent. They've always had talent throughout the last few years. I just don't think they had the coach that was able to maximize their talent. What I don't like about Harbaugh is he went back to the well and brought in his boy, Greg Roman. And I just think that the league has changed since Kaepernick was terrorizing people. You know, uh, we saw Greg Roman in Baltimore and we saw how that went. So I'm not sure how I feel about that. Um, Like I told you, I saw his facial hair and I was like, I didn't like his decision making just based off of that. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Like, I just, I don't know. I don't, I understand stability and familiarity, but I don't know what Greg Roman and Justin Herbert, I don't know if that, what that looks like. Yeah. Um, if you want to roll Herbert out here doing read options and trying to look like Josh Allen or something. I mean, I just, I didn't, I didn't think Baltimore's passing game was ever dynamic. I thought Lamar was essentially 
only throwing the tight ends because they had Hayden Hurst at one point and Mark Andrews and another tight end. They were on a lot of three tight end sets similar to the Kaepernick offense with uh, what's the boy named Ver- Vernon Davis. Vernon Davis, uh-huh. Um, and, you know, so I think they would just, if you're going to run that kind of offense, I don't know if it's going to work. If you're trying to bring this Michigan toughness, muscle, can unlock her skill. I had high expectations, Jay, since rookie year. His rookie year was a great year because I think he just, he was playing, thanks for the comment, uh, Ramos, Yes, I think sir. he was playing great because he there. I don't know if there was any expectations for the team. He just kind of got thrown in there week one when the doctor punches long. I'm like, I don't know how a doctor performs that poorly. I think Tyrod sued him. I don't know what the outcome of that was. Maybe it was but, rigged. <laughs> I like, I, I like, I, said, I like Justin Herbert, but I think what you, what we get is that he might have had, he might've had the, that Nick Foles, 27 touchdowns, two pick year. And now use one of your phrase. He might be coming back to the mean where he's just, he's going to be your 23 to 26 touchdowns, eight to 12 picks a year guy. uh, Jim Harbaugh is going to be the best thing that ever happened to Justin Herbert. Outside of the fact that he's a former quarterback, he's a coach that emphasizes the run. So, you know, you got Herbert out here, throwing more passes in his first couple of seasons than Peyton Manning did. But for what? And to only get 25 touchdowns when you threw 700 passes to begin with. Yeah, so all like 50, 50 passes and have like 20 points at the end of the game. Yeah, so they're they're in cap hell right now. So I imagine that Austin Eckler is going to go. They still have Joshua Kelly. You know, we'll see if they have to make moves because I think I saw they were like 45 million – over the cap or something like that. So and historically, that the Spanos family, they don't they, spend. It, they've been talked about as a team that doesn't uh, uh, ownership group that doesn't spend a lot of money. Right, but Maybe they did spend the That's different because it's not against the salary cap. No, You're I not know, really but, think that but that's still something that like, you wouldn't expect. I mean, they hired Brandon Staley last time. Brandon Staley, it was a good pick considering the the typical path that most teams do. They hire the one of the better teams, one of the final four teams coordinators as their head coach. It's almost like those eight guys that make it to the championship round can pretty much expect phone calls from every available right. slot. You know, right. just that's just pretty standard. Well, I'm, I'm um, just interested to see what they do because I was thinking that they're going to have to probably come off of somebody like Khalil Mack. They're going to have to. You got to find a contender. Like, is, is is Buffalo willing to give you a fourth and a fifth for Khalil Mack just to kind of sure up just that we got to go for it now? Yeah, so I'm thinking I'm going to be looking for the Chargers in about two years from now. You know, uh, they, they could make the playoffs this year if they can get the run game going. but. I think we're two years away from them really. I don't think, I think I think they have I think they have a competent quarterback in place. That's I mean, if you think about was it 32 teams, you probably got about 12 guys that you can be like, all right, this this team is locked in. You know, like if you just think about all the teams, if if you go AFC, Buffalo's pretty well locked in, Kansas City's locked in, Cincinnati. The, Cincinnati's locked in. Baltimore's locked in. Uh, 
Miami is locked in. Miami might have to figure out a contract situation with Tua because he might get franchise tag, and that's that's a that's nearly fifty million right now. Uh-huh. You might as well sign him. <laughs> you might as well sign him. Yeah. yeah so franchise him. Yeah. Do you do I franchise you and see what we got for you fifty years? So we'll give it. We'll give them that because they they have to do something. So they're I think they're pretty much locked in. Uh, Jacksonville, I think they're pretty much solid at QB. So that's seven out of the sixteen. Uh huh. So and you throw Justin in there. So you got so half. So half the AFC is pretty much locked. Everybody else is kind of in shambles. So I think just that alone, just being one of eight teams that's fully sure at the quarterback position in your division, should get you a shot for five, six, or seven uh-huh. in the playoffs. Right. Because you because Indy, they don't know who they they're gonna run with Gardner Minshew. No. Tennessee, who are they going to run it with? Uh, Cleveland, Deshaun, his injury history, what's going on there? Uh, Pittsburgh does not have a quarterback. So, like, mm-hmm. you have an opportunity with a coach that seems to have a very simple game plan. I mean, J.J. McCarthy's talked about as being a top draft pick, and I can't think of a game where he had to throw Michigan to victory mm-hmm. because of, like, the, the way that they, they operate. And, and if Justin Herbert can get that kind of set up to where he can just – Dink and dunk and throw 28 to 32 passes, and they can run the ball for 130, 140 yards a game. I think you got a shot. I agree with you on Carolina. Um, and I saw that they're retaining their defensive coordinator today. You know, so uh, but as I look at the head coaching hire, he's been around the league, uh, David Canales. He's been around the league, he has experience, but this was his first year as an offensive coordinator. I think people are jumping the gun and trying to give him too much credit for Baker Mayfield's turn around when Baker Mayfield was a good quarterback that just had off. Yeah, he, he just had and so 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 I think that Carolina jumped the gun because they thought, hey, we could get the guy that fixed Baker Mayfield to come in here with our rookie and he could throw more than 11 touchdowns next year. So like yeah he should throw more than 11 touchdowns because hopefully That's... you'll go get some damn receivers. But <laughs> I was talking about this at work today. Every young quarterback needs a big target because I had a co-worker, it's a Buffalo Bills fan. I uh, kind of let him, you know, rest for a couple of weeks since they lost. Uh, but he came and asked me, he's like, what I thought of, you know, the Raheem Morris hire. And I was like, and he's like, and I was like, I wish it was, he's like, he just was blah move. It just, it just was like a underwhelming move. I'm like, that's what I figured they were going to do. They're going to post all these things about all these people they're interviewing. And they go get some random special teams coaches, the head coach. And he was on that Dan Quinn staff. Yeah. So, and I, what I said about the Atlanta, he was like, I'd be on the phone with Chicago trying to get Justin Fields. And I was like, because Atlanta has big targets: Mac Hollins, John U. Smith, Kyle Pitts, Drake, Drake London, six three, six four, six five. Hey, Corduroy is tall, but they use him as a running back. And he's, I think he's six four. And then you have yeah. uh, Bijan Robinson, who's dynamic out of the back. Like I said, I wouldn't have drafted a running back eight, but you have me dynamic and you have Algier. So just that, if you can keep all of those skill position guys, I don't know what the, the money's going to cost. I don't know what Johnny Smith's contract look, is looking like, but you can keep all those guys and you can get Justin Fields. You know, you know what Atlanta That's could be? That's what Carolina needs. Carolina needs that big six-foot-five target where when he has to roll out of the pocket because it's collapsing on him, 
get it to this big target because that's what Baker Mayfield had. You know what Atlanta could be. You know what Atlanta with Justin Fields could be. They could be what Baltimore thinks they are. Ooh, I like that. You know keep it a hundred. Like if if Baker Mayfield wasn't due a bunch of money, I think he could do damage with oh, the yeah, Atlanta yeah. Definitely, weapons. Definitely, but because if it's Tampa, you got to bring him back. You got to bring him back. And Atlanta, I don't know if you can bring him in at. 30 million a year, 35 million a year. Cause I think that's going to be his number. I think he's like a three year one Oh five deal. I think that, I think that's the, a good number for him. I don't know if his, I don't know if he got his swag back and feels like my swag is worth 40 million a year. And you're like, you're trying to give me $30 million, but my swag says it's 40 and he has another situation where he has to leave. But three years, one Oh five. I see I think that's a realistic number for him. So Antonio uh, Pierce, um, playtime is over. You know, I like Antonio Pierce. I'm wishing him the best. But now the rubber has to meet the road. You know, what coordinator hires is he going to make? You know, he had Clingsbury, we thought. And then Clingsbury pulled out at the last minute. So where do you go? Do you go be enemy from there? Or like, you know, but. Is when- the Clingsbury pull out because Washington's going to move up the one to get Caleb Williams? Maybe, you know, uh, but with Pierce, see, you talked about uh, Jarek Mayo and Bill Belichick. Pierce's old head is Herm Edwards. So, you know, so does he have that Herm in him both from, I'm looking at this from a positive and a negative standpoint where Herm can motivate you, but then eventually it doesn't translate to victories. Yeah. Yeah. You tune them out because last year, the Raiders weren't good. You know, he just motivated them. He just spoke to them. He related to them, I believe. What and they was played hard what, for him. So Jimmy G, was Jimmy G a Josh McDaniels decision? He had, he had to be with the whole New England background. Because it just seems as if... But he got they hurt didn't even, They didn't even ask Jimmy if he was ever like ready to play. Like you normally, know, like when a quarterback is backing up and he's he comes off an injury, every week all we talk about is, "Hey, are you going to be in the starting lineup?" Blah 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 blah. I don't think I ever heard any conversations about Jimmy G ever starting again. I seen him on the sidelines, a lot in shoulder pads. Yeah, and, like he, and they, he just was content. He just smiling over there, just looking handsome, happy and, to be the back. They spent the rest of the year starting a fifth round draft pick. Who you did know, nothing. He didn't. That he was didn't. A, who got sacked six times in his first game. You know, but <laughs> get rid of the ball, young man. But uh, but you know, but as I look at this, are the Raiders in the market to draft a quarterback, or do you try to run it back with Jimmy G potentially? You All know? right, let me check the draft order and and see. You know, and then you know, on top of that, uh, Tennessee Brian Callahan. You know, I like your point about hiring his dad. I just don't know what to expect. Like I said, like he didn't call his plays in Cincinnati. Zach Taylor did all the play calling. So I have, I truly have no idea about this guy. You know, he's 39. So you hope that he's another McVay young prodigy that once he has his opportunity, he's going to shock the world. But as we like to look at, look at the division he's in. He's in there with Stroud and Lawrence. He's in there with Anthony Richardson once he gets back. You know, so these other three teams in their division are established. The Colts get a few defensive pieces in there. 
uh, Houston keeps adding to the defense. Jacksonville, you know, I think Jacksonville is pretty good right now. They ran into some injury issues late. So you're, you're, you're Jacksonville an uphill potentially be in the situation where they're coming to the season with their coach, their coach on the hot seat and questions about their quarterbacks uh, winning DNA. Cause I know he won a lot in high school and in college, but it's like, okay, have you hit your ceiling? Because right. now they got to pay him because his money, his money conversation is coming up. Right. So it was like, how are you, how are you going to pay him? Because he is, he looks the part of a Josh Allen, Justin Herbert level extension kind of quarterback. Like, I don't think he's going to get the three year 105 that Baker's going to get. Right. Team right. that drafted you is your first extension. It's going to be huge. Is it before Dak gets his four year 240? Or four year two twenty or whatever that number is, and then you kind of base off of that, and then now he gets a five year, yeah. So it it, it could be it'd be crazy. Is Will Levis's ego manageable? Because some people are just fired up. I know a lot of football players. Like I said, I had two of my sons play football. One is very level headed, even when he gets a strip sack. Or the team gets a pick six. He comes over to the sideline. He's checking with the defensive coordinator, checking the, the Microsoft service tablet to see what the play was, see how it happened. He's super methodical. My other son is flashy. Tapes his wrist, the towel, the visor. He does all the flash stuff. Good football player. He's just different. He likes to throw the bombs when he's playing quarterback, or he likes to run over guys when he's playing running back and he's linebacker. He's going for the strip sack. Like he's out there to make plays that are impactful so he can do his little celebration of afterwards. Two different personalities, same sport. Nearly they I think they play the same position for a lot of the time, too. Like run like the the heavy running back, big running back, and outside linebacker. Played it completely different. Will Levis does not have Trevor Lawrence kind of like calm during success. He throws a deep touchdown. It's chest bumps and helmets off and all of this, all these theatrical stuff is like, but he's the same way when he throws an interception. Mm-hmm. It's the same way when DeAndre Hopkins didn't run the right route correctly or they were, they miscommunicated. Can he funnel that in? Because if he can't, it's going to be a, it's going to be a rough year because that ego from a young guy who's, I mean, he was a late round pick. He kind of got the, the the claim because he just looks the part. And he and ain't going like, to have that um, hole in case of emergency anymore either. Well, AKA I mean, Derrick Henry. To make life easier for him. Yeah, the, the, yeah Derrick Henry is going to be huge, a huge loss. But Carolina. This is how you go get a player like that. You go get a veteran that you can just have your young quarterback give the ball to 18 times a game. Get him a screen pass. Get get him Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler, you know, same thing. You just, you you get, you got to make these moves to make it easier on the young guy. It's already a complicated position. We saw that, we saw the little head helmet cam footage of Tua in training camp. Right. You ever see that? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. So it was like, I didn't realize like how difficult it is to see. Because when you let that ball go, I was like, how do he know that this dude was open? But, and it moves so fast. 
get him somebody in the middle of the field that can make it easy. Um, but like I said, can Callahan rein in the the ego and the exuberance of uh, Will Levis? And then finally, the one thing, um, you know, you brought up Mayo and Belichick. Correct. You know, is Mayo going to be an extension of Belichick? Uh, the, without, without a doubt. We're going to just call it now. It's going to look exactly the same. Well, I think I would like to think. Obviously, we don't have any proof because we haven't seen it yet. I would like to think that the age difference would play a role here where it might look slightly different. Like it's not going to be too different as far as it looks like a Ferrari and now it looks like a Camry. You know, I don't think we're going to go that far along. You know what I mean? Alex but, Van Pelt is the offensive coordinator. Yes. Yeah, formerly of Cleveland. Yeah, it's going to look exactly the same because you know? <laughs> when, when have you seen Cleveland – with a even with Odell Beckham Jr. and Baker Mayfield that year, that they made that playoff run. Baker wasn't out there. Does like, it matter that up. they're losing uh, Stephen Belichick? No, because I think he probably knows as much about the New England style defense as Mayo does. Mayo played it, and then he also coached it under Belichick. So playing it, seeing it can speak to why it works and then knowing the ins and outs of it as a, as a coach is different than Steve. I mean, at the end of the day, they just got to put talent in New England is what it comes down to. You know, if they're going to keep Matt Jones, I don't know if they are or not. I don't think they are. But whoever their quarterback is needs targets and somebody to throw to outside of something called Juju. You know, um, they're going to need – I don't know if they're bringing Zeke back. You know, they have Ramondre Stevenson, but I don't know if Zeke's going to come back as well. You know, uh, they they just have a bad team is what it comes down to. So even if they kept Belichick another year and replaced some parts, it wouldn't go well. So this is a rebuild in every sense of the word. So Steve Belichick went to Washington – University of Washington. Yes, under Jed Fish, who was the quarterback. When you sent it to me, I thought he was Washington Commanders. Because when you sent it, I thought I thought he was going to the <laughs> Commanders. I was like, well, that's why. That's why I said, really? No, okay, no, he's, he's going with Jed Fish. Uh, like I said, Jed Fish was the quarterbacks coach for the Patriots in 2020, so they have that connection. You know, so so okay. yeah, we'll see. We'll see. You know, but yeah, um, I think that a lot of teams that hired coaches this year, they for the most part, they did the right thing. I don't know if they got the right person, but they did the right thing because I think McDonald provides a certain stability in Seattle that like he's not Pete Carroll, but I, I view him as stable. You know, Washington has the worst defense in the league. They went and got a defensive guy to be their head coach. You know, uh, the Patriots have only known this type of success under Bill Belichick. They hired a Belichick disciple. Even though I think they should have moved a different direction, they hired a Belichick disciple, familiarity, what they know. Uh, Tennessee has a young quarterback. They brought in an uh, offensive coordinator. You know, Carolina, I don't know what they were thinking, but they got a young quarterback. They brought in an offensive coordinator. Uh, the Chargers need a leader and they went out and got a leader. Yeah. Their last couple of coaches haven't really 
and I, I think being in LA and you know like the hierarchy of sports in LA, the charges aren't high on it. They might be higher than the Anaheim Angels. Maybe, maybe slightly, maybe. Well, um, maybe now because Shohei's gone, but not when Shohei was still there. Yeah, so <laughs> they, they they needed something, and like I said, that was the big fish. They they had they had the biggest trump card in all of the available teams. I think Raheem Morris. I, I, like I, said, I like that he got the job. I just don't know how well it's going to fare for him because I think it's going to – I think – I don't want to say short leash because that's just like this man's not a dog. I just don't understand how long he will be able to rebuild considering oh. that he was part of the, the regime before. So it's like I don't know how much time he's going to get. Right. Arthur Blank doesn't really fire coaches. I mean, Arthur Smith got three years, and he should have been fired at the end of last season because like right. this isn't 100%. working. 100%. It just it is not working. But the fact that Raheem Morris didn't get hired the last cycle when they interviewed guys after they fired Dan Quinn, and then you bring him in after you hired the guy that you shouldn't have hired anyway. I don't know. I just don't know how long that relationship lasts. I don't. I just. Unless they feel like, you know what? We made a mistake by not hiring you three years ago. Don't mind me. I'm trying to practice. I'm practicing saying this name. That oh, I'm about to okay. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, like I said, Carolina. Yeah. Unless they, they, this guy must be cheap because I believe he is still paying. Three, I think. Yes, they're paying Matt Michael, Rule. They're Matt paying right. Right in this guy, and uh, yeah, uh huh. Um, of course, and I think they fired a coordinator, some I'm pretty sure his contracts kind of. I think they fired Joe Brady because they hired him out of LSU, yes, correct? He went to Buffalo, yep. So maybe they're not still paying him because he got another job. I know the NBA is kind of like that, where if you get another job, then your old team doesn't have to pay you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see it. Because I think all these teams need a bit of an overhaul. A couple of them are going to make the playoffs. I just yeah. don't know which ones. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's the exciting part. I mean, obviously, you know, in about uh, 27 days or so, it'll be the month of March. So we'll get into free agency. And then we'll come back and reevaluate. Like, who's gonna who's gonna land Khalil Mack and Stephon Gilmore to their defense? Because I think Washington. I say go for it, man. Swing for the fences. But uh, yeah, so uh, college football got some drama going on. You have the attorney generals of the states of Tennessee and Virginia suing the NCAA because the NCAA is trying to enforce guidelines as if they are rules. What this boils down to is Tennessee's recruitment of, all right, here we go, Nico Yamaliava. Okay. You know, there you go. You know, Yamaliava. I'm going to say Nico. Nico the QB. (laughs) Nico. I don't know how you got to Tennessee. I don't know how you get get a kid from California to go play football in Tennessee. Hey, it just means more. But uh, but you know, so allegedly, what's going on here is Tennessee was talking to Nico about NIL type things before, 
he committed to Tennessee and they did some other things that the NCAA frowns upon. Why is this important? Because a couple of years ago, former Tennessee head coach Jeremy Pruitt got in trouble for some recruiting violations and Tennessee does not want to become a repeat offender because there's extra penalties and things that come with that if they're found guilty of this. Now, We've seen the NCAA in action over the past few months. My beloved Seminoles, of course. You Absolutely. know, offensive coordinator Alex Atkins got caught allegedly doing, well, I shouldn't say allegedly, they got punished for uh, some NIL improprieties. So just to give you an idea of some of those probation items, because people always say they're on probation, but what the hell does that mean? Correct. I'm not going to read all of these bullet points because it's probably about 12 of them, but I'm going to just hit on a couple of them. So um, they have to get education on NCAA compliance and forming prospects in the football program and writing about all the violations. So they have to educate the coaches. Coaches have to educate the players, so on and so forth, about the violations. Uh, to the head coach, or I'm sorry, the assistant coach involved, has a two-year show cause. So usually in those scenarios, that's a coach without a job that can't be hired by other teams. You know, so he got his own punishment there. Uh, they are they are on a restriction for that coach to recruit during the fall of this past season. So he couldn't do any recruiting this past year. So he's a coach that can't be hired, can't be fired, just has to sit in limbo. Well, he's suspended not- for three games, uh, but if he didn't have a job. So, for example, when Ohio State had the thing with Terrell Pryor, the tattoos, Correct. all that stuff, uh, Jim Trussell had, I believe it was a two-year show cost, which just meant that but nobody he went to the him. NFL. Right, and it didn't and carry st- over. And no, right. he, no, but, he, but he, he sat. He sat. He sat for six games. I think he went to the Colts, right? You know, you're he talking about Pryor. I was talking about Trussell, yeah. Yeah, Trussell, he, yeah, I think Trussell he went to the Raiders. He went to the league and then, yeah. like, he was volunteered to suspend for six games. I was like, "What kind of nonsense?" Okay, NCAA <laughs> forever. Well, just, it just popped in my head. It was like, "Well, that was what was happening with Jim Harbaugh in Ohio State." Well, that was what was happening with Jim Harbaugh. The thought was that you can't run to the NFL to get away from this. Like, if we find you guilty, the NFL can doesn't have to can punish you you know which is bs on a whole nother level but you know That's whatever like your new job you know punishing you because you were late at your last late, job, late at your last job. <laughs> so so basically tennessee and virginia said we had enough there are no rules to govern nil we know what nil is you know as far as these players these students can get contracts for their services they can make money off of their name, image, and likeness. But there is no regulation. So, like, you know, imagine, you know, being at work. You don't have an AFI or an AFMAN. You don't have a TO. You just got a policy letter. So your commander says, this is how I run our PT program. Well, sir, there's a whole AFI out here that hopefully you consulted before you made your policy letter. There's nothing on the books from the NCAA that says NIL, you must, outside of you can't negotiate the NIL deal until the player is on campus. 
So that's where Tennessee is getting in trouble here. So that the school can't talk NIL deal with the player. Right. As I'm recruiting you, I come to your living room to try to get you to come to my school. I can't talk about NIL. So I can't tell you that being the Alabama starting quarterback is going to net you some money. I mean, I'm sure they do, but you're not supposed to. You know what I mean? So that's a, that's a silly, unnecessary rule. But but that's but that's but that's the problem is that the whole thing is still set up for the players to be the people getting screwed at the end of it. So like yeah, this coach is on his show cause so he's going to be suspended three games, you know. But you got a player like Jaden Rashada, you know, who was supposed to get thirteen million or so from Florida, and Florida wasn't able to come up with the money. Now he's at Arizona State, making obviously probably significantly less than thirteen million. Now the NCAA is investigating Florida to figure out what happened with his NIL deal. But their head coach Billy Napier has come out and stated publicly the NCAA doesn't allow him to share what happened with the deal. So everything is still behind closed doors. And you know my problem with the NIL and all this is the collectors. Because the schools aren't on the hook for paying these players. You know, fans are paying these players. Boosters and fans are raising money to pay these players. So you're taking money out of my pocket to get the player that you want and still charging me to come to this game and buy season tickets or whatever the case may be. Wow. For the state in the the final 12 next year, we're gonna have to get we're gonna have to get some of these top 12 guys. And one thing that I heard, because I was watching um a podcast, and the notion was how is Missouri getting how is Missouri getting top five player in the country? How is Texas Tech getting the top 12 quarterback? How is well at some point all the schools are gonna have to eat. Right. You gave the blanket essentially. Yeah, the money should be guaranteed. Like it, sh- it should, it should be part. It should be a package deal. It should be room, board, all the hoodies and gloves and cleats you get that come to the football team. And this is a package deal for our boosters. Right. It should be because because we're acting as if <clears throat> if I go to McDonald's and I order the combo, the guy at the register doesn't say, "Hey." We have drinks available. These are the flavors. But I can't give them to you until after I give you this food. I'm like, the drink comes with the meal. The (laughs) money comes with me come to this school. So why are we acting as if, like, trying to piss my pocket and tell me it's raining. We all know that the money comes with you coming to this school. That's the whole point of the NIL. You're going to maximize that. So if I am a top 12 guy and I'm and my Instagram buzz is big, and I'm I'm on these seven on seven circuits, or I'm on Elite Eleven that's on ESPN because we all knew Trevor Lawrence and Tua and all these quarterbacks from Elite Eleven, Justin Fields from the Netflix documentaries. We saw Spencer Rattler with his Netflix documentary when he still was in high school. So if Netflix can put me on their show, or if ESPN can put me on TV, and all these things can happen, then I know that when I see Patrick Mahomes in a head and shoulders commercial, it's because 
the head and shoulders paid Patrick Mahomes. So if you're going to put right. me on Netflix, cut me a check. If you're going to follow me around my high school to put your show on, cut me a check. I'm not doing this for free the same way I know no one does it for free. Kim Kardashian gets like a million dollars just to post random stuff on Instagram. They know that. These 18 and 19-year-old guys that are going to college, they know this money comes along with whatever level of fame that they have ascended to. Right. Maybe some guys think that they're going to get this $13 million and and they commit and they don't do their due diligence to make sure that the booster that is potentially assigned to getting that money is good for it. I don't know how you fix that, but I think that's a that's a <coughs> a problem with the player and so forth. But we know the money is coming. So if I'm in California, if I'm on a recruiting trip to California and my college is in Colorado and I know it's in the snow and I'm trying to get the top quarterback to come to Colorado. Dion's for sure. You know that Dion's going to get you an NIL deal. He's going to get you Nike cleats that are personalized by him. He's going to he'll get you a contact over at Nike for the guy. And, and, yeah, and congratulations, <laughs> Travis Hunter, on your engagement. You know, absolutely, congrats, but, congrats. <laughs> but no, uh, but you know, uh, but for sure, Master Powell, I agree. You know, like it should be guaranteed. You know, it's a contract. We always talk about how players, no matter the sport should honor their contract. Everybody involved in the contract should honor, Needs the, contract. To honor the contract. You know, now I understand the NFL, you know, professional sports is a little different, but these are college kids that we're talking about, you know, and the schools are out here collecting all this TV money, you know, basically like the big 10 is making what uh 7 billion, you know, from crazy money everybody for their TV deal is CBS, you know, but the players aren't getting any of that. We ain't turning on the TV to watch Tony Petiti, Petini, who is the Big Ten commissioner that replaced Kevin Warren, you know. But now, the what I like, you know, is the Big Ten and the SEC have created an advisory board, you know. So we'll see what that entails. But the first thing I think is going to come up is the playoff, you know. As we know, playoff is expanding to twelve teams next or this next season. Correct. The contract for that runs out in 2026. And there has been talk and rumors that Patini in particular wants to make this 14 to 16 teams. There's been rumors that Sankey, the SEC commissioner, wants to get rid of the automatic bids. So I'm at a point where I think the automatic bids are going to go first. You know, well, like this is the problem. So right now we have six and six. You have six automatic bids and six at largest. So you had your power five conferences to include the Pac-12 and your one G5, highest ranked G5 champion. And then you were going to have your at largest, which was going to be a bunch of Big Ten SEC teams anyway. Correct. You know, so by getting rid of the at largest, We've been talking about it, right? AFC, yeah. NFC. You get rid of those at-large bitches, bitches. <laughs> those at-large bitches, those at-large, at-large bids. You know, uh, you start to phase out the ACC. You start to phase out the Big Twelve a little bit, where those conferences might get a team in if they're undefeated, but otherwise, it's a SEC Big Ten invitation. It's, but that's the thing. It's it's already it's. You know that coming in, like 
it's not about fairness. It's about matchups. It's about dollars. People talk, people talk about, like I said, my get off my chest NFL being rigged. NCAA told you when they made this committee nine, ten years ago, yo, we don't care about none of that. Uh, we just want to get we, – we're trying to fill – Dallas Stadium. We're trying to fill the Rose Bowl. the Rose Bowl. We're Orange trying to Bowl. fill yeah. the Mercedes Benz Stadium. We're trying to fill the Compressor. Caesar's Palace Superdome or whatever they call the stadium in New Orleans. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get three great games out of these four teams. Right. That's it. We don't care about how you feel. Nothing like so. With twelve teams, I do like the at large because it does give a David versus Goliath potential but the nil is the piece that's going to allow essentially what's going to allow is players are going to make good and bad decisions because even without money players will make a decision that like i said i'll use quinn years as an example he went to ohio state early just to can i think justin fields might have still been there and cj stroud was next or like at least they had cj stroud definitely was going to be the starter for sure. I'm like, you left Texas when I mean, you could have just finished up high school. He left high school early, graduated early, enrolled in Ohio State just to transfer back to Texas. Arch Manning transferred or picked Texas when they had a guy, Quinn Ewers, who was the number one quarterback in the country and their two-year starter. So, like, now you're sitting behind this guy potentially for another year. Mm-hmm. So, players are going to make their decisions good, bad, or indifferent. And I hate when coaches come on and try to say, we're not really protecting player. They don't know anything about taxes. We'll teach them about taxes when they get their money. But allow them not to get a, their you're money. A, you're a institution of higher education. Yeah, you can, somebody, can you have you have a professor of economics there. You have a head of the economics department. They can come teach all the players who got NIL money in a tutoring session. This is how you do your taxes or whatever they got to do or bring in an advisor. Because I'm pretty sure that the highest paid person on that campus, probably a football coach, yep. has a financial advisor. Just have that guy come teach these kids how to handle the money. Because the the, the narrative surrounding the players is that they're going to make poor decisions. They're going to make poor decisions anyway. They're going to transfer in and out. All this stuff is going to happen. The coaches just want the leverage back. Right. They That's lost all it, it is. They have to now cater to, like I said, my That's own two sons are two. coaches going to the NFL. Yeah, two. I have two. Like I said, in my own house, I had two different personality football players. One kid might have been good with just coming there and getting a regular NIL deal. My other son, you know, he played quarterback as a freshman. Maybe he'll try it again. And maybe you go through high school and you're a top rated quarterback. The acclaim you get from that is going to garner a different kind of recruiting response right the coaches just have to adjust to the fact that you have to make adjustments to your recruiting stance so either you get younger scouts that can relate closer to the players and let them be your your messenger and then you come in like the like the ceo after you get the scout to find the artist you get the artist you get the lawyers get everybody together they sign the contract, and then you come in, and then you make the introduction. How you doing, son? I'm Coach Rutley. I'm going to be your coach for the next four years. Just separate yourself from it completely. Just say, hey, I want this guy. Send people out there that can relate. You, it's like you have to make these adjustments. It's not going to be just the way you want it simply because that's how it used to be eight, nine, 
10 years ago. Right. That's the only thing, because it's not that complicated of a process. All it is is saying that you are an athlete and you can get paid for what you do. The same way if I was a physics physics major, I could charge someone 50 bucks to tutor them. As a football player, I can now charge a gym in the local area ten thousand dollars for me to be their spokesperson and i come there camps i could do whatever yeah. like that's all it is it's not that complicated of a process the problem is they are promising too much to try to ensure that they get these guys without having to recruit them they figure if i just throw money at them then that's gonna be enough and when right. it doesn't work out when you don't have the money and you lose the guy, now all of a sudden NIL is a problem. Now all of a sudden the transfer portal is a problem. Mm-hmm. That's why I told you. You see, like, uh, complaining about the transfer portal. They're not complaining about the NIL deals because they're getting no the money. Alabama's not complaining about the transfer portal. They're but, getting but that's, the, but that's the thing. Since Alabama got affected, expect change, you know. But one piece of news that you will like as well <laughs> is uh, so the, the attorney general of the state of West Virginia, these Virginians are out of control. Yeah, we like know, to fight. West Virginia. We like the fight, baby. They uh, went out and got 10 other states, got the nation's capital, and then went and got the Department of Justice to challenge the NCAA transfer rules. So that's coming to court in 2025, House versus NCAA, because they called it, quote, an illegal restraint on college athletes to enact NIL and pursue education. Because if I don't like it at this school, I should be able to leave without being punished. Just like the dude that failed physics and decided to leave to go to a not as yeah. prestigious school. I'm gonna go get a liberal arts degree now. Like I don't want to be, I don't want to be a physicist anymore. I'm just gonna get this liberal arts degree. I'm gonna go to some Fisk University somewhere in Ohio or something like that. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, yeah. but I mean you, you, like, you should be allowed to do that. I think, like I said, it's just a matter of kids are adults if you're still going to treat them like kids. You just you, you're losing your leverage. So you could do like Jay Wright did out of Villanova who said, listen, this is not the world I want to live in. Maybe maybe that was part of Nick Saban's decision. I think that was part of why Roy Williams stepped down. I mean, it's it happens if you if you want success and you need these relationships to work, it might not always be smooth. But don't just cop out because you get mad at the players because they want to leave, but yet you got coaches retiring and quitting and resigning yeah. because they don't want to deal with the new rules that don't allow for them to just stop. I mean, look at, look at Kalen, I mean we talked about it. Look at Kalen DeBoer. Now, granted, half of Washington is gone now, but you literally just took a team to the national title game and no quicker than you could wash your ass. You were down in Tuscaloosa, you know, talking to Alabama. Was I talking to you or because he had a press conference scheduled to, yeah, and, yeah, and then to he debunk it. the rumors right. about him going to Alabama, canceled it, and that same day they announced that he was going to Alabama. Yeah, and, and, and you know, granted, I know that the coaches are professionals not bound to the same agreements that students are, but that's where – the unfairness comes in because as a coach, he can do that. Some people will criticize him, but I think most people just like, I think I justified it and was like, yo, it was Alabama. Like Alabama calls you listen. But at the same time, like if you're a dude that's at like, say even a 
power five school like TCU. And Ohio State calls you and says, like, yo, we want you to play receiver for us or whatever. And you know that Ohio State has been putting receivers in the NFL since pimping, been pimping, since pimping, been pimping. I think like, the last you don't six, go there. Last six or seven rookie of the years, one, if not defense or offense, has been from Ohio State. Yeah, so, like, so it's the same concept, right? Or like if you're a quarterback at like Toledo, you know what I mean? Even if you get a call from a, Iowa State, you know what I mean? Iowa State still plays in the Big 12. Oh, by the way, Brock Purdy went to Iowa State. Brees Hall went to Iowa State. So why would I not entertain it if I'm a student or if I'm if I'm one of these kids? So yeah, so, I, so I have a job. I get LinkedIn messages every day. If I like one and I like the salary, I'll reply. Yeah. Hey, what's going so, on? What are, we, what are we talking about? So message to America. Freedom is freedom, not just when you agree with it. You know what I'm saying? That's what it is. These kids, like, I mean, these kids, like, look, we always talk about how P. Diddy took advantage of the locks. You know, they were like 17, 18-year-old dudes hanging out in the streets or whatever. They didn't read that fucking contract. They didn't know what was in that contract. Nah, and they, they signed. You need lawyers to help you. That work yeah, Diddy's law lawyers translated it. They didn't have no lawyers. You know what I mean? So so that's the same thing that's happening with these kids. And everybody keeps talking about how NIL is going to ruin the sport. To be determined. Because as we get to this 12-team playoff, I wouldn't mind to see a school like Missouri win the national title. Or I wouldn't mind seeing, like you said, David versus Goliath. I wouldn't mind seeing Georgia playing against... Houston. I ain't gonna go, Yeah, I ain't going to go crazy and say like Tulane or something, but... You know, I would even mind. too late. Like, I mean, if 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 that's the matchup we get, that's the matchup we get. I think the problem is people clamor and and want and and want to make it seem as if they're upset that certain aspects of certain sports are rigged. But then when you get a matchup that is unlikely, i.e., Milwaukee versus Phoenix in NBA Finals, no one wanted to watch because it wasn't the Knicks For versus the Lakers. Yeah. You know, it right. wasn't a traditional powerhouse. It wasn't Golden State and you know the Warriors. What like, Golden everybody State talks and, and about. Everyone everybody wants diversity, about. and they want like this, 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 this new wave and this new look, and they don't want the same teams. But as soon as you get a situation where Georgia loses the SEC championship game, like you mean to tell me that Texas is better than Georgia? I'm just like, no. Like this is these are the parameters. Allow for the parameters to to be your guidance. So I think that's a. I think people are giving. People are, we are, the, your people are, people's feelings are taken into consideration a little too much and loud, and then they allow the masses to have to follow that. Like, I don't care what your feelings are. I understand what they are. I hear you completely, but they lost at the wrong time of the year. They're out. It's that simple. Now That's like what everybody on. talks about. Look at what Georgia did to TCU. Do we want to see that again? No, but acknowledge the fact that TCU beat Michigan to get there. The same Michigan that we're clamoring about the Chargers hiring their coach, the same Michigan that won the national title this year, you know, blowouts happen. You know, I've seen Super Bowls. My favorite quarterback, John Elway, lost the Super Bowl 55 to 10. Yeah, he lost a lot of Super Bowls like that. I wasn't talking about, 
Oh man, I really wish Buffalo would have got in instead. You 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 play the season out, whatever teams earn their way into the playoff, earn their way into the playoff, and then you let the chips fall. And, but see, and this is it. where but this is where the NCAA doesn't have any teeth because the NCAA isn't in charge of they don't commit over the college football playoff. Now they run March Madness, you know, but if I'm the Big Ten SEC and I'm pulling up out of there, I could take March Madness with me. I can start my own tournament. There were some tournaments. Uh, there was some talk last year that Fox. Now I don't. I don't want this tournament to happen. First of all, but I'm just saying, there yeah. Fox was talking about since they own the Big East, the Big Twelve, and the Big Ten right now. They were talking about having a tournament with 16 teams from those conferences that didn't make March Madness. So What's if that's that money, right? Like somebody will watch it if yeah, follow the money. Know, somebody will watch it, but I'll watch it. You know, I don't want it, but I'll watch it. I don't like to play in, but I'll watch it. But you know, but but the point being is that if you could set something like that up, you could pull your institutions out of the NCAA and you could run March Madness yourself. You know, now granted, that would chop a lot of schools away because in football. We got 133, soon to be 135. But in basketball, last I checked, we were around 363. So there's a whole lot of chopping down that would have to happen, but I think it's plausible. I just think I just think the greed, I think ultimately is greed and control that's 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 shining a bad light on it. Because I don't think the simple thing was play pay the players. And the answer was, how do we do that? How does how do we get the same stipends? And like no one really dug into it. So they put out this NIL deal because eventually we talk about the guy destroying. He the kicker has a YouTube channel. He got kicked off of his team. I think he was at UCF because he was monetizing his YouTube page. So he wasn't allowed to play college football. It's like, what does his YouTube page have to do with his college football, but they wanted this whole amateurism ideology to be, you know, like the law of the land. And they realized that's not the case. It is unfair. And they were going to get sued. Northwestern was probably, I believe, the first school. Like they were, they were building like, like, if you want a lawyer, you get them from Northwestern. Like that's where you get yeah. your lawyer from. So they were putting it together. Some of their smart players, probably small offensive linemen. Those guys tend to be the smartest guys on the team, and they were they were going to fight, and I think they were going to win because these antitrust laws are very very simple. It's basically, like you can't treat people like you can't treat people like workers and not pay them. That's that's simply what the antitrust laws are. It's like you have to pay people for the work that they're putting in. You can't just keep saying. Oh, they're not workers, and give them this 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 classification, so you don't have to pay them. Because as they dig dig deep into it, everything is gonna sound like a duck. Does this person is this person mandated to be here at this time? Are they mandated to do this? Is there parameters involved? Is there insurance involved? Like all these things say, you work for them. And so I think you that's have where we're headed. Like, like they work for them. I think that's where we're headed by twenty thirty. I think we're gonna have employees, or at least a plan in place to create employees. Yeah, and that's all it is. That's that comment says it all right there. Cause Absolutely. that's all it is. 
these coaches. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> Yo, it was it was a, a great scene. Um, Aubrey Plaza's character and Gina Gershon in the, this movie called Emily the Criminal, and uh, she was doing an interview, and Gina Gershon was the the employer, and Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza's character Emily was the employee. And she was like, uh, we're going to start you off on an unpaid internship. She was like, excuse me? She was like, yeah, you're going to work your way up. So, so what would I be doing? She's like, well, you're going to be doing the same thing as she like points to some other girl in the room. She was like, so I'm going to be doing the same thing as her. You're going to get paid, but I'm not going to get paid. She's like, well, this is how you pay your dues. She's like, you know, you could just pay me and I'll do the job. But if you don't want to pay me, you're not going to hire me and not pay me to where I have to be here all day and not get paid. Right, like, that doesn't make any sense. Like the fact that that's even a thing blows my mind. But it makes me want to, you know, oh, you got to earn your stripes. Like, no, I got to earn this check. Right. So cut me an internship rate. Like, okay, you get twenty dollars an hour. Once you get hired on, it go up to thirty-two. Bet yeah. I could take that. I'll work for this extra twelve. <laughs> but I'm not working eight, ten, twelve hours a day for you to write me a good letter and maybe hire me, maybe not. So right. That that's all that's all it is. It's like they went from the, a complete autonomy and complete control over the lives of these players to now these players have leverage. And some of them will drive you crazy with their leverage. Some of the parents will drive you crazy with the leverage. Some of the dads are gonna live vicariously through their through their sons. Some of the moms are gonna live vicariously through their daughters when you try to get them on the volleyball team. Some grandfather who's a booster for this school. It's going you're going to have problems that that doesn't mean you you get to just change all the rules because you don't want to deal with the the problems and the headaches. You can get out of the way. It's coming. It's it's going to happen. You just have to deal with it as an organization, as an institution, figure out a way. How do we get the people who provide us money for all these stadium extensions and all this other stuff and everything we get monetarily? How do we divide it up to where we get players that are here that are going to perform? So when we need that $20 million bowl game check in January, we get it because we put $800,000 into the bank account of this defensive tackle. We put $1.6 million in the bank account of this quarterback to get him from California to Tennessee. Whatever it is you have to do to secure the bag legally, do it. Don't complain about the legalities of it because you simply want control. Right. So, you know, but there are three things that are inevitable in life. Change, Thanos, and sports reports as ordered. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, Thursday, we'll be back. And you know what's happening then. Super Bowl picks. Who you got? Who's going to be the MVP? Who's going to be the X Factor? All that coming for you on Thursday. And, you know, as they say, so the we bop, we bop, we'll be you. And guess what? We love you. Like, share, subscribe. Thank you, everybody, for viewing. I've seen that number go up. And wherever you get your podcast, share it on Facebook. Share with your grandma, you know. Biggest movements is dip set. Let's get it. Once again, appreciate the people chiming in. Master Powell, Ramos. What will Ramos do? PRD. You know what I mean? 
Coonsaw Wolfpack. They don't know nothing about that. I'm going to wear my Wolfpack jersey next time. Yes, sir. That's what we do. That's what we'll we do. We'll be back on Thursday, y'all. Peace. Peace.